0: If you love what you do and you believe in what you're doing, you will get people to support you. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader.
1: Hello and welcome to Inspiring Leaders. I am Dana Jansen, your host today, filling in for your regular voice, Terry Lepofsky. As we all know, Inspiring Leaders is your go to podcast where you can learn from other leaders and experts around the world. These are people that we interview who can offer you their unique ideas, their perspectives, and their best practices to help you become a more inspiring leader. On today's show, I'm happy to introduce you to someone I've known for almost 15 years, someone who I've worked with as part of his team within a global organization, and a leader who's known by his employees the senior leadership team he works with, his board, and his peers as an executive who's obsessed with two things, the symbiotic relationship between high performance and a healthy workplace. Specifically, he has cultivated a consistent, methodical approach to how his senior leadership team operates. They have leadership habits that I would love more organizations to adopt. Everything about an organization's culture and performance does start right at the top. So please welcome Malcolm Ead. Malcolm is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Salus Global Corporation, which is a healthcare consulting company based here in Canada. Malcolm, hello.
0: Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me here.
1: (laughs) I wanted to interview Malcolm for this episode because I have seen the impact of his dedication and discipline to leadership habits with his own executive team over the past six years. Not only is Malcolm a leader I admire, and I am, truthfully, uh, guilty of a little bit of bias, Because the truth is, aside from being a past professional colleague and very good friend, we've been dating for close to six years and now we're engaged to be married. Yes, he is my fiancé. But regardless of that fact, I can't ignore what stands out for me. To be honest, as an executive coach, as a leadership facilitator, I really have had the opportunity to partner with hundreds of leaders and multiple teams and groups And I've been privy to the stark reality in many of the organizations that I've worked with of how things really get done. The true dynamics of leadership, you know, the stuff that people talk about at the water cooler, that includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. Do you know what I'm talking about, Malcolm?
0: I sure do. (laughs) I've seen all of those things in play.
1: Yes. (laughs) I think most people and most of our listeners have.
0: That's how we actually form our views is those experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Yeah. You're right. It's uh, sometimes it's the bad stuff that informs us the most to what we want or don't want. Mm-hmm. Personally, for all of our listeners, I have yet to come across somebody that I've seen as a leader who has such an explicit and proven commitment, based on their behaviors and the consistent schedule of leadership meetings, where the leadership team is not only empowered, but they're held to truly keep themselves accountable as a cohesive team, to not only work when on was required for their business to succeed but also they're committed to regular conversations about how they're doing as a leadership team. What's working well? What do they need to do differently to improve as a group? This happens after most of their team meetings, and that's really why I wanted to have you here to interview Before we dig into this topic of driving high performance through leadership habits, it would be great for you to just share a bit more about yourself to our listeners. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what has shaped your leadership perspective and what or who has inspired you along your journey.
0: Uh, thanks, Dana. That's a great question. And I think it's important because it's the foundation for what you want to get at as to what we do at our organization to foster, create, develop a high-performing culture slash organization. I think the best way for me to answer that is been my observation of leadership over the years that has been an acute fascination for me. I have witnessed really good leaders, I have witnessed average leaders, and I have witnessed poor leaders. For some reason, I can't pin the exact point in time, I do know that I developed a fascination with leadership. When I read business books, I found that most of them were leadership-oriented books. And I was always fascinated with how did this individual or these individuals take an organization to the next level? What was it about them? What was it about the process? What was it about their behaviors and their views of things? Because I don't believe these things happen by accident. I don't believe results happen by accident. Sometimes we get lucky, sometimes we're unlucky, but things never happen by accident. They happen through a very disciplined, intentional process. And I also will tell you from a personal perspective that a lot of my leadership habits have been developed as a result of my personal life. So what do I mean by that? I have been a lifetime athlete. I've spent many years competing, sometimes at a high level, sometimes just as a weekend warrior level. And I've done my share of difficult things. I've done a few Ironman triathlons. I've competed in a few multi-day extreme adventure races. The only reason I'm telling you that is each one of those circumstances took a lot of hard work, a lot of setbacks, a lot of highs, and a steady commitment to training and training and training Mm and through that whole process, you would know that you would have some good days and some bad days, that there'd be some highs and lows, and that the result was never achieved without the effort. And that effort wasn't just cramming for an exam. So if I was going to do an Ironman triathlon, I couldn't train a month beforehand. I had to train for a couple of years. And it was just a steady commitment to that. The only reason I'm relating the two together is that type of behavior informed the way I like to view leadership within an organization. It transfers perfectly. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that someone needs to be an athlete to be an effective leader.
1: That's relief for the rest of us who don't like to do extreme extreme sports like I know you do.
0: (laughs) That was just my recipe. That just worked for me. Part of it was the grounding in reality that to create a high-performing organization, you must have you must have highs and must have lows. And that, that's not because you're going to purposely have lows; it's just that they happen. And that develops a resilience within an individual, it develops a resilience within an organization, and you can deal with just about anything when you're committed to a goal. So that the combination between my fascination with leadership and my own personal experience. And the last thing you ask me is who has inspired me. And I can give you all the right answers. I could say Winston Churchill. I could say Barack Obama. All of those people are fantastic. But I think really the thing that underpins what leadership style inspires me are those individuals who had the courage to do the right thing, not the popular thing. Mm. They weren't necessarily the majority, but they were certainly convicted. And despite the setbacks and all the headwinds, they chose to stick to their values and conviction over the right things. Typically, they prevail. And those are the types of leaders that inspire me. So, yes, there's tons in the history books that I can name.
1: There's anything I know about you. You are not afraid to speak your truth. I know that you've had many experiences where being unpopular has been part of your leadership journey. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, not everybody has the chutzpah. To be that kind of person who will speak their truth, which is one of the things I really do admire in you as a person, but also you as a leader. Thinking about all of that, I brought you here today because I wanted the listeners to really understand the cool stuff you've done with the leadership team, because you've been in this job, how long now?
0: Six and a half years.
1: When you first started, what was going on? Where are you today? Then what can our listeners take away that could be useful from The leadership habits that you've put in place, that's what I'd love to hear about.
0: Sure. I was fortunate that the board of directors hired me in this role six and a half years ago with a clear mandate to build an organization under my vision of what a high-performing organization looks like. So one, I was very grateful for that. And two, I was given the mandate, which is great. Because you're quite right, Dana, I don't have a problem stating my opinion. <laughs> and, and and that has its positives and negatives. But the fact is, is that when the underlying motivation for that opinion is what's right for the organization, it should be celebrated. It may be unpopular, but it should be celebrated. And I'll come back to that.
1: Not all organizations are comfortable having the boat rocked.
0: That is correct.
1: And there are also many organizations that love to marinate in what I'd call... Consensus and kumbaya ness. Is that even a word? Right. <laughs> and I guess what you've told me before is that performance doesn't come from everyone just saying yes.
0: No, in fact, I think that's a recipe for mediocrity or disaster. I and mean, I like people rocking the boat because if I'm not hearing people's what's going on in people's minds, what thinking they have, then we're underutilizing people. So that's really, really important to me. I've taken all those years of experience in absorption, and I got a chance to deploy that in a way that I thought was best performing. So, what I inherited was a highly dysfunctional organization. There was camps, there were divisiveness, there were people running for cover. Despite all that, they were still performing reasonably well, although that was ultimately going to run out. Eventually, they would have had a problem with long-term sustained performance. So... I believed that the best way to get the most out of people was to start off creating a high-performing leadership team with my vision that the high-performing leadership team would create high-performing teams within those functional areas.
1: So you're you're saying starting off with what your vision is, yeah. of how you want that company to operate.
0: Absolutely. And so it was really clear to me that I needed to take a group of people and set a vision for what it looked like for the way we would operate and the way we would execute. Again, all under the auspices of driving for performance, because ultimately that's what we're paid for. Mm
1: -hmm. So what was your vision?
0: You may be a successful organization and be dysfunctional. You still may get success. But I believe that if you create a high-performing organization or a high-performing team, certainly at the leadership level as a starting point, you can almost guarantee success. You can't guarantee you're going to make the right decisions. But you can guarantee that the way in which that team operates, that you will have enough resilience and strength to rebound and course-correct and ultimately make a better decision next go-around. That was my vision, and I didn't have that when I started. I set a process in place starting five and a half years ago where we would take a stepwise disciplined approach to leadership effectiveness within our company.
1: What did that look like?
0: The vision had to be established with the team first. They needed to understand where I was coming from and what I was trying to do. They were either going to buy in or they weren't. Some people didn't buy in and unfortunately that parted ways. Once that was established, then we, not me, Created a value set and some operating principles that we would live by, including the underpinning of some behavioral values. Now, a lot of companies do that, but very few of them actually put it into play.
1: Yeah, exactly. Everyone talks about doing a vision or a mission statement. Let's have our company values. And so often it's placard on the wall, it's written somewhere, it's mentioned at an annual meeting. What was different? about how you approached it?
0: Great question. The key thing was to actually establish the norms and behavioral principles, but the way we did that was important. 95% of it was to actually have the discipline to put it into practice. I'll come back to that in a second. When we established our operating principles and our values, we did that as a unit. I was Consciously looking for people to be weighing in and I would provoke people's opinions because otherwise it becomes my responsibility and I needed to be our responsibility. So you
1: were engaging everybody on the team?
0: Yeah. And if I wasn't getting the engagement I looked for, I'd probe for it. I'd probe for it and I provoked it. And not in an aggressive fashion. That in it itself has some undertones of I want to hear what you have to say. I value your opinion. We value your opinion. Please speak. Please say more tell me more about what you're thinking. And ultimately, this idea of tell me more is another way of saying curious, that ultimately mm-hmm. became a value for us. So the team created a number of operating principles, and I'll give them to you now. Because again, they they may sound very common and colloquial, but we put them into play. Number one was lead with passion, courage, and curiosity. Those are the things that matter the most to me. I believe that People are enthusiastic and excited about what they do. will accomplish a lot of things because you can't teach that, but you can hire that. So we have a very complex business. So we firmly believed in making the complex as simple as possible. We agreed that we would stand united on decisions. The issue with that is there's an implied level of alignment, or some people might say consensus. I would argue that consensus is a bad word and alignment Mm -hmm. is a good word. Alignment means not necessarily everybody gets their way, but if they feel heard, they will stand for the decision that was made, even if it wasn't their opinion. But people need to be heard.
1: And by the way, on that point about alignment with leadership teams, I often hear about effective teams who allow the controversy in the boardroom, but then when you leave the boardroom, there's alignment. So your voices are heard, but there's a necessary need for the team to be aligned?
0: The impact that has on a broader organization is profound. It's profound. And in fact, oftentimes, I wasn't the one who agreed with the decision, but I felt it was the best decision. I would say anecdotally, my job is not to make the decisions. My job is to make sure the best decisions are made. Hmm. Sometimes that means that I don't get my way. But I'm hearing as much as I need to and the fulsomeness from my team that a better decision is made. So
1: everyone's voice is heard.
0: 100%. Okay. The other thing we do is we hold one another accountable. I believe in a healthy, positive culture within an organization. That doesn't mean people aren't going to hear what they need to hear, as unpopular as it may be. So we believe in holding each other accountable. And oftentimes, what I'm really looking for is other members of the leadership team to actually be calling out behaviors or Behaviors in particular that aren't in line with our value set. It's easy for me to do because I can see it, but I want other people to do it. And we've evolved to a point where I see other members of the leadership team calling out people's behaviors that aren't consistent. Love that. That to me is a sign of our performance. And the last thing I would say is this one took a long time for us to get to. It was to demand the best of ourselves, understand the impact of our words and actions that have on each other.
1: That's the actual guiding principle.
0: That's a guiding principle. So those five principles are the things that underpin the way we as a leadership team operate.
1: Can I just summarize them? Absolutely. So number one, lead with passion, courage, and curiosity. Number two, make the complex simple. Number three, be united on decisions. Number four, hold one another accountable. And number five, demand the best of ourselves, understanding the impact of our words and actions and what they have on each other. Wow, those are some pretty powerful team operating principles.
0: Yeah, again, Dana, to your point earlier, they could end up just being words on a page, but I didn't want to stop there. So in 2014, we started what's called Leadership Matters. It's sort of a double entendre. We deal with the matters of leadership, the fact that leadership does matter. At the start of each meeting, we would have a one-hour Leadership Matters session. In our first year... We dealt with team operating principles. So we would have a discussion facilitated by me on one of these principles. And I would set up a provocative dialogue about what they really mean, or how we put it in play, or use an actual example that's something I observed the month before, the week before, where it was sort of in conflict with those values. And we did a workshop on those. And we did that for an hour. And I led each and every one of them. And often, and then when we would do our semi annual offsites, which are two to three days, we would do that for the entire morning of the first day. A couple of things that that did. One is it made it real and present for everybody. They knew this was an important matter and it engaged the leadership team in these issues and engaged them and drew them in. And I was a great temperature check for me to see how people were doing in this regard. Two, it was the discipline. It was executing on the discipline, and this wasn't just a nice little fancy exercise. And three, I needed to establish the way in which it was done. As we evolved, we were able to cut those to 30 minutes, and I actually started having my leadership team do the session. We're now five years into doing this. And we're now on a rotation where one member of the leadership team hosts and facilitates the Leadership Matters exercise at every leadership team. And I want to emphasize every leadership team. So, how
1: often is that? Once a month. Wow.
0: And I would tell you, Dana, that I know that these exercises and how it has evolved and helped improve our team has reduced our leadership team meetings from one full day to half days.
1: Wow. Now, who out there would love to have meetings in a more efficient, focused, Fashion. That sounds like tangible impact.
0: In fact, I've gone from people dreading a full day, and I think most people today understand that sitting in a meeting for a full day is really difficult, especially after lunch. (laughs) So we've gotten to the point where people are looking forward to that three, three and a half, four hours of a meeting once a month, and we get a lot done and we're super efficient. And the old issue of holding each other accountable there are no tangents, there are no, we call them squirrels we get right back to the point at hand, and people call each other out. And the other thing that's really important here, Dan, I wanna tell you is that without fail, every single meeting is debriefed. Every single what meeting. What does
1: that we're... mean exactly? Right,
0: so how did we do today? What did we do well? What could we have done better? And everybody weighs in on that.
1: What are you weighing it against? The operating principles that you just described?
0: Yeah, were we effective? Did we get things accomplished? Did we miss things? Did we leave a moose on the table? Were there some unspoken truths? And we get to all of that. Most of our debriefs now are 10 minutes. When we first started them, they lasted close to an hour. Wow. Sometimes I th- try to put myself in somebody doing this for the first time, and I think, God, this is going to seem a little awkward and weird. It's not my style. That's the way it felt for me at first. It did feel that way. Somehow I knew it was the right thing to do. Hmm. Our organization has a lot of interdependencies. There's no one thing that anyone does that doesn't have impact on a broader organization. A lot of organizations have a great degree of interdependencies. Ours is extremely high. So it's really important that we're functioning well. So not only have we been able to reduce the number of people involved in making key decisions, we make them a lot faster. And we make them well because people are pushing each other on what the intention Mm. and the direction is. And it gives me great pleasure to see this in action. Are we perfect? Far from it. Are we better than we were in 2014? Absolutely.
1: That's amazing. What I'm also hearing too is that you are translating those operating principles, the leadership habits, into observable behaviors so people understand. But this isn't just a concept. So what would be an example of one of your operating principles?
0: I have monthly one-on-ones with everybody routinely. And if I've observed something, I will actually have a dialogue with that individual and say, listen, I just want you to know that this is what I observed. And I think it'd be really important if you checked it out with the other person. I think you should go and check it out with the other person, because I'm not sure that that dialogue was fully fleshed out in the moment. And without fail, they always do. Interesting. They Always go to the other person and check out exactly what they thought they heard or felt.
1: It strikes me that there's a lot of organizations where there's a lot of things unspoken, a lot of stuff wrestling under the waters, people that get in the way that harm relationships and actually slow down work. And it sounds like what you and your team have done is created a healthy way for everyone to be heard, for everyone to be held accountable Mm -hmm. to certain kind of operating leadership behaviors. And that's kind of simple. Very rarely do I see that kind of accountability for the behaviors.
0: You're absolutely right. But to actually have gotten there took a lot of hard work. We have people in in the leadership team that we will not proceed with something until we fully cleared the air. Mm. And we now actively seek it. We've gotten to the point where I think everybody in the organization, where everyone will say to themselves, I may not like what I just heard, but I sure am glad I heard it.
1: That's pretty profound.
0: That is absolutely factual. And it's a result because we've built a level of trust Mm. among each other that allows people to say what they need to say, not what the other person wants to hear.
1: Got it. Wow. That's a whole other topic, trust, but we'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Malcolm, I'd love to hear what advice do you think leaders should take on?
0: The first thing that pops to my mind is be about the we, not about the me. It's really important. As a leader, You need to be about a higher purpose. Do the right thing and act the right thing and mean it because I think you will develop people who will support you. Leaders need to be supported. They need people to follow them. They need people to follow the direction that they and the organization are setting. So you need to do that by leading by example. Be honest, build a strong team, and that is not an easy thing to do. Build a strong team, and you will be amazed at what kind of results you can get.
1: And I'm hearing a lot about alignment. I know you talked earlier about alignment with the leadership team, but I'm hearing what you just said is that a leader needs to be aligned internally with themselves. So their words, their deeds, their actions, their values, if you behave in a way that's consistent, that will build trust and will help people want to have some kind of following.
0: Yeah, and I would say, Dana, that early on in my time here that maybe... I wasn't 100% aligned, meaning that I said things, but at times I wasn't acting those things. And in the early days, that went unspoken, but now I get called out 100% of the time (laughs) if I'm off the path.
1: People call out the CEO.
0: Absolutely. I get nervous when they don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's pretty powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Last question. What does inspired leadership mean to you?
0: It's a simple thing for me. I love what you're doing. If you love what you're doing, it will show. And I say that whether you're an employee doing whatever task in an organization or if you're a leader of the enterprise, if you love what you do and you believe in what you're doing, you will get people to support you.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for sharing your perspectives and your very unique take on how effective leadership teams can drive performance. It's been kind of fun doing this interview together. Thanks for, thanks for spending the time with me.
0: Thanks for getting me fired <laughs> up. <there.
1: laughs> All right. Well, that's it for another episode of Inspiring Leaders. Thank you so much to our faithful listeners. Terry and I absolutely appreciate every single person in our growing audience. Don't forget to share your comments on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Until next time, take care and think about how you can move the needle and be a more inspiring leader. Thank you.